I had a board member tell me that once. I mean, you know, I said, Pastor, you need to get rest. I said, oh, you know, he says, Pastor, you're the only one that works 24-7. You're the only one. And I never saw it like that. I just was enjoying what I was doing. My pastor would even come over and tell them how much I, I enjoyed. I did. I, I really did. And so then I got transferred to another job, oversee a lot of churches. And every seven years, my wife and I have been on two sabbaticals in 15 years. And, 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 and let me tell you what I did. You know that song? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. No, I didn't do anything. My wife, my wife was taking a class in Spanish. We were in Costa Rica. And uh, I remember going to the room and the classroom and looking around and it was just cement walls with a little window looking in and, and I was having some flashbacks. I said, I can't do this. <laughs> so no, I, so well, you, you got that on Pastor Sue. Oh, you look at you, girl. You, knew, you do need a sabbatical anyway, you know. And so I would just, I, I didn't realize how my body uh, was kind of jacked up. Yeah. We went on a cruise. We spent five weeks in, in uh, Costa, Costa Rica. We came home a few days during, then, during that, that period. Uh, and my job, they gave me X amount of dollars and they paid me. I couldn't believe I was getting paid to rest. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's a whole lot of love. I didn't even know. I really didn't even know anyone had been on sabbatical, much less a black man had been on sabbatical. <laughs> I went on a five-year sabbatical, but I mean, you know, that's, 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 that's a different story. And I came back home more committed than I'd ever been before because people loved me enough to say, to Dr. Sam, we're going to take care of you. So what you're really saying to your pastors is, we love you enough to take care of you because we want you to be around a while. And so some of you are going, I, I don't, you, you know what? You don't even have to get it. Now, let me tell you the best way you can bless them. Let this room look like this and more every Sunday after they leave. So that they're not, they're not away worrying about, man, I wonder if this is going on or, or that's going on. Don't be jealous. Don't, don't be no hater. You know, my, so my, that's what my grandkids, I mean, they were this big. And if I said anything about the Raiders, Papa, don't be a Raider hater. <laughs> I told my son, you need to let the Bible so raise them up in the way they should go, not, not the way you want them to go, you know. And I want you to know as a leader of a whole lot of pastors how much I appreciate you loving your pastors enough to do this. This is an incredible... A lot of churches, you know what they do? They'll wear a per pastor out. When they die, they'll have a funeral. People will come up and cry. Before the body gets cold, they got a new pastor. <laughs> what all you got to do is take care of the one you got. And you, 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 you're doing that. And so I commend you. I should the leadership. I commend you for loving this. This is, a, this is listen, this is really a gift to this body and to the body of Christ uh, at large. Uh, everything that he is doing and going to do, uh, it is marvelous in the eyes of those around. There are a lot of other churches wish they could have him, but they're not as blessed as you are. So y'all just keep loving them, take care of them, send them off with money, let them know, well, you know, we ain't going to hold your salary while you're gone. Did, did this go off? Am I okay? Tell me. We're okay? Okay, I, I must be holding it too low. And, and, and I love them. I want to show you a picture. Can you bring that picture up for me? This is a picture, uh, a recent picture. That's my whole family right there. Well, two are missing, but your pastor took that picture. 
It was a very special day. It was a very special day. We were out taking family pictures. He took pictures inside. He said, let's go outside. You're going to love the pictures outside. So we went outside, and we were taking all these pictures, and somebody had called me. And because we were doing family pictures, I didn't even try to look at my phone, which probably surprised my wife, who, who, who thinks I really need to divorce my phone on occasion. <laughs> and um, so finally, I looked at my phone, and I said, well, who is this? And I called this number back, and it was a number of someone had called me from Governor Brown's office. He was just getting ready to go out of office. So I called him back, and he was notifying me that I had received a full unconditional pardon from the governor of the state of California. Wow. Now listen. And your, your pastor, he was there taking photographs, and so at one point he says, just jump up. And so that was like after we'd gotten this notice and everything, but, but, but this is what I really want to tell you. Then we ended up having a, a party celebrating this event, and your pastor came again, taking pictures for me and what have you. Let me tell you why this was so important. And the people that were there, this is what I told them. This is not about this pardon. This is about all of you that have stuck by me for 42 years. My wife, I had some family members, my siblings, my 100-year-old sixth-grade school teacher showed up. And she would always say, you were just such a good boy. I said, that's the same thing I told the judge. I said, you ain't got to do this to me. I'm really a good boy. Ask my sixth-grade teacher. She will tell you I'm a good But when you walked in, there was a picture of my grandparents. Because when I was 16 years old, my grandfather came to my house. He was a police officer. He was a sheriff. My grandfather said, son, change your name or change your character. It's not your name, it's mine. He turned around, put his Stetson hat on, turned around, he walked away. When my mother came home, who was his daughter-in-law, I said, I need to have my name changed. <laughs> she said, why? I said, never mind why, I need my name changed. And I, never, I didn't change my name. But he died when I was on this uh, extended stay. And I went home, they allowed me to go home uh, with a personal escort. And uh, when I looked down at my grandfather, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to get your name back. There's nothing that can get your attention more if you got a half a brain than a funeral. That's why the Bible says it's better to be at a funeral than a party. Because the funeral is going to remind you we're all hit it. It all ends up back in that box. Yeah. And then my life went on. Crazy. It went on, on, on. Finally gave my life to Jesus when I was 19 years old. And a lot of other wonderful things happened. But in the back of my mind, it was my grandfather's name. He didn't mess up his name. He gave me a good name. Yeah. So I have 13 grandkids. My grandsons especially, if you ask them, What's the one thing your grandfather tells you, tell you a lot? And they'll say, he tells us, don't mess up his name. <laughs> he says it's not our name, it's his. First, first time I told the little ones, they go, well, whose name do we have? <laughs> so after this, this, this event, this picture, about two weeks later, I told my wife, we were on our way to L.A., I think. I said, I need to go by my grandfather's grave. You see, when, when they buried him, I had to go back to extended stay, so I didn't get to go to the burial. Prison, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet they'd have figured it out, bro, you know. <laughs> they Google my name, they might leave the church, okay? Anyway. 
And I went to his grave. I stood over my grandfather's grave, and he's there. Him and my grandmother both are buried, buried uh, beside each other. And I'm looking down at my grandfather's grave. My wife took some pictures. And all I said was this. Now, I have not lost my mind. I know he wasn't in that box. He's been there since I was 19, 17. And all I said was these words. We good? I said, the governor gave you your good name back. Oh, we good. And I got in the car and I told my wife, I felt like the Lord, my my grandfather was saying to me, son, we always been good. But you needed to keep your promise. Look where keeping your promise to me has got you in life. I got back in the car and left. Now I'm going to tell you, listen. It's not just a story for me. It's a story for you. When you sign up to follow Jesus, either change your character or change your name. Change your character or change your name. I deal with people all the time. They want to follow Jesus and do all this other stuff. I did not give my life to Jesus to be a jerk and embarrass my family as a Christian. I gave my life to Jesus to make a difference. I wanted people to know that once he moved inside of me, I wasn't going to be coming up to Oakland anymore uh, visiting visiting the the pharmacist. I was... uh, On 66th Avenue. They've torn on all those places. I used, to, I used to visit a pharmacist who was a, a hell's angel, and I didn't even know it until a lot of years later. Change your name. Live like a Christian. You say, well, man, you used to have any idea how hard it is. Oh, yes, I do. I've told my grandsons, I said, one day, as you get older, you're going to have these conversations with Papa, and Papa's going to tell you how many times he wanted to say yes when he said no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just look at me, okay. <laughs> Can we go play? Yeah, go on. We go sw- yeah, go swimming, go whatever you want to do. The, the devil's way is hard. The Bible says my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yeah. And we get a reward at the end. I can't. I had a guy call me the other day. I shouldn't tell this because the, I'm gonna say it on this side because the brother on the blue cap gonna say, "Why you didn't call me?" I had your number. Somebody called me and gave me eight tickets to that to that first playoff game. Wow. I, I can only find seven people to go. <laughs> I had almost a three hundred dollar ticket that just sat in my pocket. I was ready. I said, "Look, I'll be back. I need to go make a deal out here with somebody." <laughs> My grandsons are with me, my two sons, and one of my spiritual sons. How many of you know sitting in that room watching all this? I just sat there just having a moment. Just just having a moment. How many of you know in the extended stay, I didn't see this? And so now this is this one right here. She's my oldest. I mean, my youngest. She is eight. And the one on the far end, you can't really see her face. She's my oldest. She's 22. And this next week, we go to Azusa Pacific where she's graduating from college. Now, I didn't, listen, I didn't see that. I didn't see that when all I cared about was doing my thing. I sit in my backyard. My grandkids come over and they go swimming. And I just sit there and look at them. And I told them, I said, I'm going to put a pool in the backyard for y'all. 
Republican, we, I said, you can go swimming anytime. That's a whole lot of money in that ground. Y'all just come over here. They just come, they'll come, they'll come. It's cold and they'll still jump in. Well, you didn't do that when you're eight, nine, 10 years old. I do it at my age, you'll be calling 911. Yeah. So I go to the gym and they say, you gotta have a reason. They say, so what's your reason, Sam, for coming here, allowing us to put you th through a contortion of exercises that I didn't think was humanly possible? Yeah. I said, my, my reason is bail. They said, what do you mean, bail? When I buried my grandfather, my father, rather, almost 10 years ago, it was the worst day of my life, his best day, my worst day. And, and I went through something. I think I'm still trying to work through all that. I miss my dad every day, every single, they knew my father. My father was an incredible man. So that's when I told my kids, I'm gonna do the best I can to prevent y'all from that pain as long as I can. When McCain, I've never told the story in public, but when Senator McCain had died, my daughter, all my, my kids live in the neighborhood, so I went by my daughter's house. I have one daughter and two boys. Now, this to give you an inkling of the relationship we have. She and I have a checking account that my wife's name is not on it. We've had it for years, and every now and then she'll say, Papa, we got any money in the bank? Daddy, we got any money in the bank? I said, yeah, didn't you put some in? <laughs> so the other day she calls and says, Daddy, we got any money? In the, do we have $100 in our account? And no, I have not put a dime in. She hasn't in all these many years. So I'm on my way to work, and some just said, go by and see your daughter. So I drive by, and when she opens up the door, she'd been crying. And first thing went through my mind, what did my son-in-law say? Y'all better hold me back, tie me down. And she's just standing, and I'm looking at it. Becky, I'm looking at Erica. And I said, honey, what's wrong? And she's standing in a way where I can see the TV. And she points at the TV. I said, the view? She was watching some program with all these ladies sitting on the table talking. I thought it was, I don't know what it is. I work during the daytime, okay, so I didn't know. And she said, whatever that girl's name is, something McCain. Uh, Megan, I said, Megan McCain? What did she say to make you cry? And she's still crying. She says, she's talking about her daddy. I said, about her daddy? You mean, you mean the senator who died? And all of a sudden, Ed, I knew it had nothing to do with Senator McCain. It was about her daddy. And I looked at her, I said, oh, you thinking about me, huh? Yeah! I'm serious. That girl fell on me, and we're standing at her door. She's just sobbing on me. And I just stood there. I said, uh, you thinking about the day when I'm going to go, yeah. I said, and, uh, you want me to know you love me? Yeah. And I just let her cry for a moment. And I said, now, baby, one day you're going to have to go through this. <laughs> and then I said, but today ain't today. So quit crying and get off my shoulder. Let's go get a Starbucks or something, girl. My God, you're almost making me want to cry about my own funeral, and I ain't there yet. So I try to live my life. I don't live for me. You understand? I'm living for, if Jesus tarries his return, I got generations that may be alive that are connected to me. And let me tell you what's not going to happen. You know the reason I'm the way that I am? No, because my great, great, great grandfather was a jerk. That ain't happening. So I'm, I'm in counseling. I'm trying to do everything I can 
so that when they put me in the ground, when they walk away, it's a good feeling. That ain't nobody saying, do you know he did this? But did you hear about this? Or like one of my uncles, he passed away and I come to the funeral and they say, yeah, I'm the preacher in the family. I want you to pray. And I get up and pray for his kids. When I get done, they say, well, you didn't pray about so-and-so. It's his daughter. I said, who is she? Well, I don't know nothing about her. Well, you know, when, when, when she and Annie, him and Annie was kind of separated, he took a trip up and she became the product of the trip. Well, nobody told me nothing. It all comes out at the funeral. It all, <laughs> who are you? you? You look like. Where you come from? <laughs> I don't want that. Change your name. It's okay not to be a Christian. Just be prepared to, pray, to pay the price at the end. But if you're going to claim to be a Christian, don't be one on Sunday mornings when you come here drinking Starbucks coffee, worshiping God with all these wonderful people, prophesying or prophesying, whatever you're doing. <laughs> you know, and when you go to work, let people know. That, now that person right there, they are, they mean, they are different. They are different. They will not even laugh at my bad jokes, and I know they're funny. <laughs> change your name or change your character. Yeah. So here's what I want to leave with you. He's with you. Yeah. Okay? He, he really is with you. There's a story I've been reading almost every day in Luke um, chapter 24. I already know Easter was last week, but for some of you, somebody here today, Easter last week was just a holiday. But today, yeah. this is going to be your personal Easter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, want, let's, I want you to read these verses. Can you, can you bring those verses up? I want us to read these verses together. You know, and honor the word. Why don't we just stand together and let's read these verses together. This is Luke 24, beginning with verse 13. You ready? Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. How many miles? Seven. Okay. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Clopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hope. Well, go back again. But we had hope. But we had hope. That he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more... It is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, 
Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And Lord, I pray that you just take the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, and be, let them minister to these, your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now let's walk back, let's, let's, let's walk back a little bit into this story. I think we can extrapolate some nuggets from this story that will help us experience a holiday that people only go to church on twice a year, Easter, Christmas. But I think that today we can experience it even a week afterwards. I think the Holy Spirit may want to speak something to each of us individually, up front and personal. As Christ followers, these two men were walking and talking on the road to Emmaus, and a stranger shows. How many of you would be walking down one of these streets and all of a sudden somebody standing between you wouldn't at least ask, where you come from? Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. But they don't do that. Bible says the stranger, they just kept walking. They didn't even recognize him. But the Bible says it was their friend Jesus. So the first question I would ask is, why were they kept? Or how come they couldn't even recognize yeah, yeah, yeah. who Jesus was? And as he's listening to them, he asks two questions. Here's the first one. What are y'all talking about? And the Bible says, they stopped, their faces downcast. They looked at this stranger incredulously and they say, are you the only one in Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened in these days? Where have you been? Where have you been hiding? You don't, you don't have a clue what's been going on? And then Jesus asked question number two. What things? About this Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. Watch this. But we had hope. Had past tense. Yeah. Hope, E-D, past tense. Hope is, is, is something that a person in, that has in which you have expectations. Yeah. No, I hope they're going to be. I hope I, you have high expectations in someone or something that is called hope. Yeah. And the Bible says they had lost their hope. They had lost their hope. Yeah. So if you go back up to the first question that I asked, Jesus says, what are you discussing? Why, why, why were they kept from recognizing who Jesus was? And the answer to that is simply this. They had lost their hope. Yeah. I'll tell you something. Hope is a powerful thing. Yeah. Hope, do you, do you know why a man who will get sentenced to prison for maybe 100 years will not take his own life? Because he has hope one day the law will change and they will get out. 
If, you, if they really believe that, that you're going to do, then let's just end it now. Early. Let's do it early. But they have hope. Yeah. They have hope that something's going to change. And when you lose hope, it'll, it'll mess up your vision. When all of a sudden life becomes so dark that you can't see where you're going or you can't even recognize when somebody walks up. Yeah. And sometimes some interruptions are good interruptions. Yeah. Yeah. See, sometimes you can be so hopeless, so downhearted, so discouraged and so depressed that when hope shows up, you miss it. Yeah. Wow. Because basically what hopelessness is, you're feeling sorry for yourself. Having a most incredible pity party. Nobody know the trouble I've seen. Nobody know but Jesus. I just, nobody's ever, and that's a trick of the devil. Nobody has ever experienced what I've experienced. Let me ask you a question. Do you really think you're that special? <laughs> Nobody's ever experienced. I'm the only, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You're not the only one. Because you're not that special. And the Bible says, they had lost their spiritual sight. Yeah. The Bible says Jesus began in Moses and all the prophets, and he began to tell them about himself. Yeah. And then the Bible says he opened the scripture. Yeah. He pointed them back from the Old Testament. That's all they had. And he, poked, he, he told them about himself. You know what happens when you spend time in the word of God? Your hope will return. Your hope will return. Yes. Sometimes what you need to do, just spend time with Jesus. Yes. His mannerisms gave him away when they sat down to eat. They recognized who he is when he prayed and he broke the bread. And the Bible says their eyes were open. Yeah. Oh, you're going to miss this. <laughs> he restores their spiritual sight. Yeah. They weren't blind. Yeah. But there's something about spending time with Jesus yeah. in the word. It will open. I ain't never seen that before. Where'd that come from? Where did that, you know, I thought I was, I like reading Old Testament stories. I like reading about Daniel and the boys in the, in the lion's den and the hot fire and crossing the river and all the rest. Because if God will do it for them, it's what that sister said this morning. Then I used to tell him all the time, you did this? I, I like reading Christian autobiography books. But yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy stuff people have been through. People coming back from the dead and all the rest. So that when I'm going through something like that, I say, whoa, 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 <laughs> Jesus. I remember reading. What you did, and, and I'll, I'll make it plain to him, for that white guy. I, I, re, I, remember, I remember reading what you did with that white guy. Now, unless you have changed and all of a sudden you're just hanging out with the white folk, I think I got the same thing coming. You got to know the word. Now, Lord, if you open up this Red Sea for all these people who actually rebelled against you for 400 years. Now, I know I ain't been the best guy on the planet, Lord, but I ain't had 400 years of practice. So if you open up something, a door for you, mean you won't open up a door for me? Now, look, no, if you with the if you with them Hebrew boys in that fiery furnace and it was hot, you can't see me through my hot situation. You 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 got to know the word, so that when the enemy comes at you, you can open up time out, time out. When he was tempting Jesus, Jesus quoted what? He quoted the scripture to him, but we think, oh, I don't need all that. Well, how's that working for you? He opened their eyes. He restored their sight. And then he disappears. I'm going somewhere. Ain't going to take me long to get there. 
You see, the, the Bible says the teaching of the word warmed their hearts and brought them into revelation knowledge. Yeah. See, there's knowledge. And some of you have read the verses and you've memorized scripture and you know what it says. But until the spirit of Jesus opens up your eyes, you, you'll never understand the blessings that God has in store for you. Knowledge of who that stranger was that had been walking with them. And they said again, man, didn't our hearts warm up within us while he talked with us on that road and opened the scriptures to us and opened the scriptures to us? And I watch this. Their hope returns. Yes. Well, now they got hope. You say, how you know they got hope? And when you have hope, you have to make decisions. Huh. They're sitting at a table, getting ready to eat bread and have dinner. And all of a sudden, they realize who it is they've been hanging out with. <laughs> now they have hope. You say, how you know they got hope? Because they wouldn't, the Bible doesn't say they finished their meal. And then they got up and went back to Jerusalem. The Bible says at once they got up. They got hope and they got good news. And at once they get up or immediately and they return to Jerusalem. It's amazing. If you will spend just a little time with Jesus, listening to his voice, yeah. you'll have a brand new perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. and energy to press on. Mm. Had a job at one point. Had a staff of 50 people. And my organization stretched from the Pelican Bay, which is down south, Pelican Bay up north, to Blythe, which is down south. Had about 2,000 volunteers. I'm on my way home one day from my office, had an office, and I get a phone call from Sacramento, and it says this, you've lost your contract, which is 72% of a multi-million dollar budget. You've lost your contract. Don't try to appeal it. You won't win. How many of you know in that moment I became hopeless? Yeah. And my wife is here to testify. I'd come home at night and I just go in my room, I had an overstuffed chair, and I just sit there till the sun went down, get up in the morning. Sometimes I, I mean, I was one depressed brother. I had to terminate 40 families. Whether it was a man or a woman, they represented, I had to terminate 40 families. I got paid. Six to eight weeks late, I had to take two pay cuts. Doesn't matter how much money I was making. Two pay cuts is two pay cuts. My car got repoed. I couldn't even pay my cell phone. My wife would call my friends and say, why don't y'all come over and, and, and here, let me give him the phone. Hi, what's up? How you doing? No, I ain't going nowhere. No, I don't even come by. I'm not leaving my house. And then in the middle of the night, I'd wake up because I didn't know how I was going to get paid. If I was going to get paid, how much money I was going to get paid. And I'd look over at my wife, and she's just laying there looking pretty, just, just sleeping, just, just sleeping. And I'd want to yell, girl, you better wake up and worry with me. We, we ain't got nothing. <laughs> and the more I worried, the deeper in depression I became. Watch this. One day I was talking to a friend of mine, because I've been talking to Jesus. The only thing that brought me through that season of my life is I made myself get up every morning 
and spend time with Jesus. When you're in a storm and you don't know where in the heck you're going, you better spend some time with somebody who's been there. It ain't the people in the coffee shop. It ain't that person you tell all your business to. And when you get done, that's right. That's right. Oh, honey, listen, that was me. But it ain't you. It ain't you. And when you hang up, you know what they say after you hang up? Woo, so glad that ain't me. I'm so glad that ain't me. Boy, they messed up. I don't know how they're going to get out of this, but they're going to sit there and listen, tell somebody, you need to talk to somebody who's been where you've been and who can help you see your way through. So, I'm talking to a friend, and I tell God, I said, you know what, I can do this, I can do this, but you know what, God, God, all I can do is talk. I said, all I can do is talk. And I'd said it numerous times. But this day, I had revelation. I said, talk. I knew Pastor Benjamin, I had a friend who was an actor who knew some people who would open up the doors. What's that, the, the, uh, Jocelyn's School Rings? They had a, a speaking agency. I thought, I can talk. So I called my friend up. He said, send them a video of you speaking somewhere. Bam, not preaching, speaking somewhere. And I had been to a school, heard some, some movie star from L.A. He'd come down to one of our schools in Vallejo, and he cussed through the whole speech. And I said, I can do that without the cussing. So I did a video, Pittsburgh High School. I sent it to Johnson Speakers Bureau, but they never called me back. So I called my friend. I said, man, they ain't never called me back. He said, give me five minutes. Called me right back. He said, call him now. I called him back. They said, no, nah, we just got off the phone with, with your boy Mike, and, and, and he said that you're the best thing speaking since Dr. King. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mike might have exaggerated a little bit. I think he probably said, I'm the best thing coming since you heard somebody sing or something, I don't, but it wasn't King, okay? They started opening up doors for me to speak. I got, a, I got a speaking engagement. They're going to pay me $1,200 to talk for 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And then they called me and said, uh, uh, Mr. Holson, we understand you're coming to our school to speak. Yes, for 30 minutes. Yes, we're going to pay you $1,200. Yes, uh-huh. And, and we were wondering, what, what do you need? Nah, I don't, a check. That's what I need is a check. <laughs> yes, and, and make sure it's a good check. I need a good check. She says, we were just wondering would you mind talking to the student leadership here in our school before you leave? I said, excuse me one moment. <laughs> yes, I, I don't mind at all. Yeah. I, I'll spend time. God opened up my eyes to hear myself say, that's all I could do. See, sometimes you need to hear yourself. You need to hear what you're saying. Man, I can't do this. I can't do that. They done done this. He done done this. She done done this. I ain't got this. I ain't got that. Well, then just stay there as long as you want. And when you get done, ain't nobody going to be with you. You might have a few to start that journey with you, but by the time you just keep it up for a while, pretty soon you don't have nobody, just you. And you will prove right what you've been saying all along. Ain't nobody going to stick with me. Anybody, anybody, anybody. You're right. And all of a sudden, these doors begin. I was in schools. I remember one time walking to the school. There's 2,500 students inside. And as I'm getting ready to walk through the door, the vice principal looks at me and says, have you ever spoke to this many students before? And I had a, a, a bottle of water in my hand, looked at her, I said, 
it's a little late to ask that question, isn't it? <laughs> I said, yeah, don't worry about it. We're good. We're good. We're going to be all right. Sometimes you, you need to evaluate where you're at. Because regaining hope requires that you evaluate a few things. Here's one of them. You need to evaluate where you are. These guys are sitting around a table in the end trying to feel sorry for themselves, but they can't. Now watch this. See, if you walk out of this church week in, week out, week, and feel sorry for yourself, you're just sorry. You're just sorry. Because I know this man and woman of God, they're giving you some good stuff. So here they are sitting around this table. They are trying to feel sorry for themselves because you know why they didn't recognize Jesus? Do you know what he looked like the last time they had seen him? Isaiah says he had been beaten so bad if you hadn't been there, you wouldn't have even known it was a human being. Yes, they didn't recognize who he was. They didn't expect him to come back. Though the Bible says they kind of believed it, but they didn't really believe it, but they kind of believed it. And now... They got, they, they, they're sitting at a table and, and they, they want to eat because they're hungry. They'd have walked seven miles, but they got some hope now. Yeah. They have been given some extremely good news because they were sitting and talking to a living dead man. They get up and they go back. You got to evaluate where you are. We're just, just, and I sat there one day, Pastor, I was sitting there and it was Christmas time and I'm sitting around. Man, I am, listen. I'm, I was depressed. I'm telling you, I didn't think I could ever be depressed. Uh, uh, I was depressed a few times when I was on the extended stay, but other than that, I, you know, when I, when I left, yeah, I was, but I was depressed. And I was too prideful to go see a counselor. I was too prideful. Almost cost me everything. I'm riding down to visit my mother one day, I got my car back. I don't know how we got it back, but I got my car back. And I had a, a Chrysler Baron. I had dropped the top. And my son, I ain't got no good gear. I mean, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. And me and my boy are driving down to Livingston to see my mom. And on the way down, I've, he's driving. He's got his license now. And, and it don't matter how good or how bad he drives. Yeah, I'm so depressed. It don't even matter. Drive off into a ditch. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some insurance money. I don't know. Just. And I got the top down. I'm laid back. And I'm looking up. And my 17, 18-year-old son says, Dad, what's wrong with you? And I want to say, and I wanted to talk to him in cultural language, but I decided not to. I just simply said, brother, <laughs> do you know what's going on? Dad, Dad, I do know what's going on. He says, it's kind of like when you taught me how to swim. I said, what do you mean? What do you mean when I taught you how to swim? You know, when you're depressed, you, you can't nothing get you going. What do you mean by that? He said, Dad, you put me in the water and you were holding me. You were telling me to move my arms and move my feet. And I kept looking back. And finally you said to me, Royce, quit looking back. I am your father. I will not let you drown. And he looks at me and he says, Dad, God ain't going to let you down. I raised my seat up. I had revelation. Do you understand? I had knowledge, but it was revealed to me in that moment. And I said, tell me again what you just said. Tell me, he told me again. Now, he's such a humble son. When we get home, <laughs> we walk through the house, Ed and Roy says, hey dad, I go, what? 
Tell mom what I told you. I said, you little prideful sucker, you know. But you have to, you can't get where, where you need to go until you first figure out where you're at. Here's another one. You got to evaluate who you are. Now, what does it really mean? To, that sister got up here and she said, you know what? She, she preached my sermon. Because she was feeling sorry for herself. And then finally she said, self? The Bible says that David encouraged himself in what? In God. He didn't say, man, all the people, my wives are gone, everybody gone. I don't know what we're going to do. The other ones wanted to stone him. And we ain't talking about the marijuana that's legal. They weren't talking about sitting around smoking pot. They wanted to kill David. And the Bible says, David, sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Mama, daddy, sister, brother, husband, wife, can't nobody else. You've got to encourage yourself. She said, I started talking to myself. Some of you sitting back there saying, she lost her mind. She didn't just lose her voice. She lost her mind too. But what was the outcome? She talked herself through the word of God to where she needed to be. And now she's back in church, worshiping the Lord. Sometime you've got to evaluate where you are and who you are. My grandmama said, you got to figure out who you is. Because when you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. You got to evaluate what will you do. With this new revelation, all of a sudden, God says, I want to, I want to give you an inkling into John, blah, blah, blah. And whoa, whoa. What are you going to do with the information? Because you can always go, i never seen that. And I don't want to see it now. Yeah. Or you can make a decision to do something with that information. You got to evaluate where you are, who you are, what will you do. Evaluate your words. Quit using past tense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought I had it bad in that past marriage, but this one here, I tell you what, this is. <laughs> Just keep acting like that. You're going to be saying the same thing again. I thought I had it bad in them last two marriages. And sooner or later, it's going to hit you what the last two marriages have in common. <laughs> so you didn't get it? You got it? No, she didn't get it, man, because she ain't laughing. If she had got it, she would have really, okay, all right. Quit using past tense. Look to the future. Do you know why they call the past the past? It didn't pass. And the only people who believe in the past are those who think it's going to get better. <laughs> it ain't going to get no better. It's gone. And the last thing you have to realize is you're not alone. In Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never let you down. I'll never walk off and leave you. Matthew 28, 20 says, I'm with you. Oh, no, he says, I'll be with you some days. I'll be with you on the good days. I'll be with you when the Warriors win the championship. Now, you want to know what a real promise is? It's a long promise. I'm going to be with you when the Raiders win the championship. That's a good long promise. Hold on to that one, y'all. I texted my son yesterday. I told him, I'm going to buy you a T-shirt, and all it's going to say is, this is our year. I said, you can just keep it, pull out every year at the beginning of the season, man. He says, I'll be with you always, even to the end. Okay, I'm about done, but watch this. How come Jesus didn't spare these men a 14-mile walk? Oh, this is... Listen, this is, oh, this is the dessert of the whole thing. 
Why didn't he reveal himself to them when he first walked up to them as they started on the road? How come he didn't just walk up and say, fellas, fellas, because I'm God, I know where you're headed. Now watch this. I'm about to save you a 14-mile trip. Look at my wrist. See the holes? Check this out. They could have turned around right then and gone and told, but why did he end up walking? It was a 14-mile trip for them. Jesus just flew back, but it was a 14-mile walk for them. <laughs> why didn't you tell them? Could it be the same reasons? He doesn't let us know at times yeah. that he's right there. Yeah. He's right there. Yeah. And he lets us experience this thing called life. Could it be, I'm just saying, I'm surmising, could it be that they needed a fresh revelation that can only come as a result of spending time with the living word? Life circumstances and loss had drained them of their hope. And you could be sitting here this morning feeling like you've been on a road to Emmaus. They were depressed. They had lost focus. But what did Jesus do? He revealed himself to them through the word. You know, that little daily Bible study that pastor's challenging us to, to go through together. If it will work for them, of course, unless Jesus is prejudiced and only want to work with the Jewish boys back then, then it'll work for you today. Yeah. All is needed is time alone yeah. with Jesus. You know, radio off. Cell phone off, yeah. television off, yeah. everything off but your ears. Yeah. What is needed is time in the word of God to replenish and refresh Amen. your soul. Yes. And I really, I really believe yeah. somebody's here today. You didn't come the way you're leaving. You're leaving refreshed. Yes. But that's not how you came. You've been reminded that you're not alone. You came in today ready to give up, been sitting in a dark spot, emotionally depleted, without hope, because the enemy has made you forget. He's with you. Yeah. I'm serious, folk. He is with you. He is with you. And because of that, you're realizing that you're leaving today rejoicing in your soul because your eyes and your mind has been open and for you today is Easter because see last Sunday you couldn't get it you couldn't receive it you used, used to be worrying about whatever but today today is your Easter because it's been revealed to you who he is, where he is, and what he wants to do in and through your life. Every time I read that, I go, you could have saved them 14 miles. When I look at that picture, I say to myself, he could have saved me 42 years. All you do is tell me when I was 17 years old, and then I remembered, oh, Oh, that's what 
That's what my grandfather meant when he said, oh, oh, that's what that preacher meant when he said, oh, that, oh, 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 he was, oh, he was trying to save me 42 years. But when you're young, you know everything. I used to have a, this youth pastor had a saying on my, my office door, and this is what it said. Leave home now while you know everything. Because teenagers, they know everything. Mm-hmm. Mine did too. They weren't even going to discipline their kids until they got married and started having kids. Now they want to spank them. Oh, no, 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 we ain't spanking them kids. Remember, we ain't going to spank no kids because they weren't going to be like y'all. No, 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 we don't spank kids in grandpa's house. So y'all, no, no, these are good kids. <laughs> know where y'all got them from, but they're good kids. <laughs> I just come to tell you, doesn't matter where you are, who you are, or where you're headed. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Knows everything that you have experienced, are experiencing, and will experience. And sometimes he just, you know, we get hard-headed, you know. I ain't the only one that got it. And he just walks with you. Just, and every now and then you go, you kind of, you can feel it. But your spirit is dull and you really don't recognize, but you feel it. You feel it. But because you haven't spent time with him, you really don't know it's him. He spoke through a mule. That ain't him. That guy don't know nothing. I don't pray for you. Father, it's always a privilege once you're here to come to this house and be with this man and woman. Your choice servants. My heart is made glad that this group of people love them enough to give them a season of rest. Bless every single one of them in this room. Bless them beyond their wildest dreams and imaginations. Bless them for their faithfulness that they're going to show as a result of this man and woman not being here for three months. Thank you for the souls that are going to come. Thank you for the offerings that will come in. And thank you for the rest that they're going to receive. May they bask in your presence and in the presence of each other. Father, somebody here this morning They're leaving here differently than when they came. Because their eyes, their mind, and their spirit has been opened. And now they're able to receive, he's with me. And now today is their personal Easter. And so to that end, I give you praise. I give you honor. I give you glory. Sit that one free right now. Give them that hope. Give them that hope, Lord, that they had lost. They didn't know what was happening today. They didn't know that you were going to personally show up and tap them on the shoulders. I got something for you today. I got something for you today. I got something for you today. And in that, Lord God, what you're saying to them is, I know where you're at. I know who you're with. I know what you're doing. And this is not the end. So bless them today. In your strength, in your grace, and in your power. 
Come on, if you're able, just why don't you stand? If you're able, stand. And